Welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. I'm Jason Richmond, a fourth-generation road builder who started on a shovel and now serves as the Chief Operating Officer at BuildWit. On this podcast, we will dig into the construction world, exploring the challenges, successes, and strategies that shape exceptional leadership and build a thriving workforce in the dirt world. Join us as we sit down with some of the brightest minds and trailblazers in the construction industry. Our guests are leaders who have navigated the trenches, built businesses, cultivated strong teams, and fostered innovation to build the infrastructure that shapes our world. From technology, equipment, suppliers, and contractors, their experiences and insights will inspire and empower professionals at every level. Please join me in welcoming our next guest, Nate Hearn, Commercial and Government Account Manager at Sim4Motion, the sole licensee of CAT Simulators. A graduate of Bradley University, Nate has served in the U.S. Army and held various government positions, leading him to his current role with Sim4Motion. Sim4Motion is privately held, women-owned business headquartered in Peoria, Illinois. Founded in 2009, Sim4Motion specializes in training technologies for industries such as construction, mining, forestry, and agriculture with sales worldwide. Sim4Motion is passionate about helping organizations succeed. They provide effective, safe, engaging training technologies and programs to help develop skilled operators today to meet the workforce demands of tomorrow. Nate, welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, good morning. Where are you calling in from today? Uh, right outside of Peoria, Illinois, out here in the country in Mapleton, Illinois. Very good, very good. Well, kind of an interesting bio as I was doing the, the, the research from Army to politics to simulators. Give me, give me a little background on, on your history and, and how you've gotten to the dirt world. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely been a, a weird one, a uh, weird direction. So, yeah, after high school, I went ahead and joined the Army. I wanted to serve our country. Uh, went down that path for a while. Wanted to actually go the Colin Powell route into politics and actually become the Secretary of State someday. Uh, but, however, blew up my left eardrum back in 95. Uh, got out, finished up my degree, uh, and actually started interning for a member of Congress. And then he came back and asked me to stay on board. And then I was on there for, I don't know, the next like 12, 13 years, something like that, uh, as their military and veterans policy advisor for two different members of uh, the U.S. House of Representatives. And then from there decided, where my wife actually decided, it's time for you to make some money. And so I said, okay, so enough of politics, got into the private sector, and actually kind of got recruited over here uh, as the military guy because uh, my was my my former intern's wife actually was the military account manager at the time and actually became the sales manager and said hey i need somebody to do the military stuff are you interested and i said absolutely would love to and so really focused on the military side of things for the first couple years and then just due to some different reorganization and growth opportunities they asked me if i wanted to handle some of the commercial stuff and i said absolutely so now on top of all the government stuff all the military stuff i also help develop uh you know heavy equipment operating programs throughout the entire u.s market that's fantastic. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Oh, long time ago. No worries. Absolutely. Um, you know, isn't that how it usually works? It's just, it, it's usually you get more responsibilities over time. It's like you can do this and this and this. So, yes, and much like you, uh, the, the number of hats just continues to continue growing. It's, it's, it's <laughs> fun. It's fun. Well, so talk to me, you know, and our listeners, you know, let's just get into some of the basics, you know, around the business. What is Sim4Motion? Uh, you know, how did you become the sole licensee of CAT simulators and what does that even mean? 
Yeah, so actually taking it kind of the way back machine, uh, our company was actually founded by a gentleman named Ken Fletterer back in 1990. Uh, by 92, our two women owners actually came on board, Lara and Renee. Uh, we started working very closely with Caterpillar at that point, doing all kinds of different, um, you know, like database management stuff and website design and all this kind of stuff. So we had a pretty good relationship with Caterpillar at that time anyway. And then in about 2007, 2008, something along those lines, Caterpillar was introducing the new M-Series motor grader. And it took all the different levers and the steering wheel and all that into two different joysticks. And so uh, they wanted it to more of a marketing ploy and basically to get out there to the dealerships to show the customers, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to start training folks on this weird little apparatus. And it was kind of that light bulb moment of, wait a second, if we could do this for this one, we could probably do this for a lot of different machines. And so, yeah, we actually partnered with, with Caterpillar on that. Uh, fast forward to 2023, we are now on our fourth iteration of simulators, uh, and we're training folks, like you mentioned earlier, in the construction world, the mining world, uh, forestry side. Through our, through our sister organization, CSE Software, we're also doing a lot of ag work. I mean, pretty much anything that you can kind of figure out the, the need for training on a simulator, we try to bring it underneath of our umbrella to help you know, the, the world basically go ahead and, and learn in a safe as well as effective manner on how to actually operate machines without having to worry about getting up into that iron right away. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, you know, it's interesting that one of the first projects was on a motor grader. You know, as a fourth generation road builder, my dad uh, was in the field, uh, was an operator for several years before becoming a, a, a general superintendent in heavy civil construction. And uh, the motor grader was, was his piece of equipment, you know, like everybody's kind of got like their piece of equipment right. and then they can do everything else or they've got the, you know, potential skills there. But dad was on a motor grader. And when I was a kid growing up, I can remember, you know, going to work when you used to be able to get by with that as a kid, you could, you know, on Saturday, you could go to work with dad and watch him work or, you know, whatever. And I used to tell everybody they played the piano because it was with the steering wheel and all the, all the levers and, you know, watching him, you know, run that. And, it was funny because backing up and hearing him shift through those gears was just always so cool to me. It was like awesome. So I don't know, very different from a simulator, but it, you just brought back some really good memories when you said motor grader made me, made me get kind of excited. So yeah, God bless you motor grader operators, man. That is the one machine that, I mean, that's why it's the highest paid machine or, uh, you know, operating skill set out there because man, that is a tough machine. And then you bring it into a simulator it really helps with uh, learning how to operate it, but that is just one my brain, my little peon brain cannot handle that motor grader. So God bless you guys are going to run it. And when you think about, you know, just the, the roadways and the, and the parking lots and the, the use of the motor grader, just, you know, one of the most significant machines out there for sure. Speaking of machines, you know, we've talked about the motor grader. I'm sure that there are several machines that are out there. What all machines do you guys have that people can train on? Yeah, so in the construction side of things, um, our most popular machines are going to be our excavator as well as our dozer. Uh, and then we start to move into some of our other products with the you know, articulated dump truck, the small wheel loader, the motor grader, the backhoe. Um, we've got a compact track loader, otherwise known in the dirt world as a skid steer. Uh, and then we're also you know, in the, the mining sector, like we said earlier. So we've got you know, large loaders, large dozers in a coal pile environment, as well as in rock quarries, um, hydraulic mining shovels, underground load haul dumps. Uh, so lots of different machines there. And then on the forestry side of things, yeah, we're touching on like the track feller muncher, as well as even the uh, the FM log loader. So covering a lot of different machines across a wide breadth of the, uh, the industry market out there. Yeah, you can tell you've been doing this for a while. It just rolls off your tongue. I mean, I'd have to write down a list and read it in order to cover all of those things. But obviously, you're well versed. 
Uh, to be totally honest with you, it's a little overwhelming, you know, to, to kind of hear all of those machines and to think about, like, if I'm a customer out there or a potential that's interested in simulators, like, do you buy one unit and it and it has all of those things available or do you buy have to buy a unit for each of those machines or where do you start do you start with with the most needed position in your organization like what's that process look like from a you know as a, if, if i'm a potential customer or potential user that's out there where do we even start you know with all of those potential machines that are out there what, what's that pathway yeah, so a few years ago, and I mentioned a few minutes ago, actually, uh, we're on our fourth iteration of simulators. So back in the old days, uh, the simulator was, would be a standalone system, right? So you'd have an excavator, you'd have a dozer, you'd have a grader, whatever the case may be. Um, what we did a few years back is we actually introduced what we call a universal-based chassis. And so that universal-based chassis from the ground level up, it allows for what we call the mobility kit, which allows for you to move that, that simulator around from room to room into trailers, whatever the case may be. On top of that's the motion platform, which is a three degrees of freedom movement uh, system. Basically allows for that up, down, left, right, forward, back movements. And then the, uh, the chassis itself. So on the chassis, uh, the, one of the biggest things about us that kind of sets us apart from everybody else out there is we actually only strictly utilize the Caterpillar OEM equipment. And so the pods that we can convert out, so you could be training on, say, you know, a 336 hydraulic excavator uh, with the actual joysticks, the same kick out, the, all the way down to the Caterpillar Universal Key, uh, on that on that pod, right? And then we can swap that out in about five minutes and be training on a totally separate machine. We can go from, say, an excavator over to an FM log loader or over to a, you know, a large loader uh, in about five minutes by just swapping out the pods and the pedal plate. The best thing about what we offer, though, too, is the fact that we're treat, you know, we're training individuals on that muscle memory side of things, what every single button switch knob does. So when those operators transition from the simulator out to the iron, it's a direct transference of skills because they know at that point hey, if I move my left hand off that joystick on the excavator, you know, over and to the left and forward about six inches, there's my kickout switch, you know, or knowing where, you know, your parking brakes are at, all that kind of stuff. So it really helps train these folks on, you know, the proper utilization of the machine, but also eliminating a lot of that operator anxiety before they get up, you know, and climb 10 feet up in the air into a big machine that you need to make sure that when they get in that cab, they look around and it's the exact same buttons they've been training on in their classroom setting. So I'm hearing a little bit of, uh, like, if I could decipher that, I'm hearing, like, it's really about kind of muscle memory, mm -hmm. overcoming anxiety, feeling comfortable, uh, you know, in the cab, you know, so that transition from simulator to cab, yeah, there's definitely some major differences, but from a from an experience standpoint of knowing where things are at, it, it really sharpens that, that learning curve, which increases, you know, productivity and efficiency you know, in the cab. Talk to me a little bit about muscle memory and how that works. Yeah, one of the biggest things, though, to think about, too, is the fact that, you know, I know this is still a simulator. This simulator is not moving Earth, you know, so there is going to be that anxiety of getting up into that machine for that very first time. I kind of live and die by kind of what we call the 80-20 rule. 100% of the training right now is done pretty much exclusively inside the cab of a piece of iron, right? So you've either got a guy standing on the tracks, maybe you've got a buddy seat, most of the time you're on a radio or on a bullhorn or whatever, uh, but now I'm able to take about 80% of that training, put it into the simulator itself, teach you things like the machine walk around, teach you things like control familiarization. Um, each one of our simulators, we built in control similarity across that machine family. So, for instance, I mentioned earlier the 336 excavator. Well, I'm going to be able to teach you on a 301, the 330s, all the way up to 390 in the mining excavators because it's the same type of theory and methodology and the kinesthetic movements behind how to use your left and right hand at the same time. 
But then when you, that 20% of that, you know, that training, you've got to transition out there to that piece of iron to make sure that transference of skills is, is spot on. Love it. So I'm going to ask a question potentially that's out there on people's minds. You know, the, the, the partnership with CAT, you know, if somebody trains on your equipment and then they get out to the field and they're running a different brand, you know, what's that, what's that transition like? How does that work? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so on a couple of our machines, uh, like the, the skid steer as well as even on the excavator, we actually have the ability to go ahead and switch over the control pattern. So we can actually sw- you know train you on the SAE control pattern the Caterpillar way, or we could go ahead and just through a couple of clicks, basically, just like on your machines, switch it over to the VHL control pattern. Um, I have not run across a machine anywhere in the world that actually has a different control pattern. I'm sure there's some weird combination out there somewhere. Uh, but yeah, if I'm able to train you on you know, basically the, the leader in heavy equipment, which is Caterpillar. Um, we, we, in our simulators, we build in a lot of the stuff that goes behind that, working with subject matter experts, working with the engineers, making sure that everything is the closest thing possible to the actual piece of iron before you actually get out there. So I don't really care what other kind of manufacturer you're going to go out to. If you're, you've been trained the Caterpillar way, you know the Caterpillar difference. Uh, it's really going to be able to go ahead and showcase that when you get out to that piece of machinery. Now, granted, will a button be a little different or in a different location? Sure. But at the same time, you know what that button does. You know what that lever does. When you push forward on this thing, you know what to expect on that because you've been trained through a Caterpillar way. Absolutely. That sounds good. Uh, Talk to me a little bit, you know, I was looking on the website, talk to me a little bit about Sim Scholars and your curriculum and and how that works, uh, you know, as you guys are working with more and more high schools and, and more and more uh, contractors across the country. Yeah, Sim Scholars, I mean, that's a, that is a great little product that we developed probably about, I don't know, maybe two or three years ago or so. We used to joke around all the time that back in the day, we used to actually give you the textbook, but we never, we never taught you how to read it. Uh, Sim Scholars is now teaching all of that other ancillary type stuff that goes into how to become an operator. So. You know, in the old days, and even still to this day, our on-the-job training is basically learning how to pull back and forth the levers or the steering wheel or the foot pedals or whatever. But Sim Scholars teaches the why. So we're teaching things like, you know, hand gestures. If uh, if you got a foreman down on the ground spinning his finger in the air, is he telling you to speed up or is he telling you to boom up and stick out? So, you know, we're teaching things like that. We're teaching safety, PPE. You know, why do we dig trench boxes the way we dig trench boxes? So it's a lot of that other stuff that goes into it, which allows now, like you said, in our high school settings or even in our, any of our educational settings or our correctional facilities or whatever that we're in, it allows for that instructor to kind of, you know, teach the way the Caterpillar says, hey, this is what you probably need to do. But it also allows for that instructor to be able to go ahead and go above and beyond and kind of, you know, talk about their experience a little bit more versus always having to talk about, you know, what does it mean when, uh, you know, when a when the foreman's down here spinning his finger, whatever the case may be, it allows just for a much more inclusive training at that point that these guys and gals are actually getting a lot more benefit out of that training than versus just pulling back and forth on a lever. You talk about the educational setting, and Mm -hmm. I think sometimes my mind goes to, well, this is for beginners. But I'm curious, you know, from a use case I imagine that these, you know, whether it's the Sim Scholar program or just cat simulators in general, uh, you know, this is probably for beginners to seasoned vets and everything in between. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of our best cases actually when on the private industry side of things, especially, you know, we'll run across the private industry partner will call us and say, hey, you know, we're running into all kinds of issues. We need a training program. You know, we're not getting guys out of the local unions anymore or whatever the case may be. Um, we're able to actually get in there and actually help kind of cross-train these guys and these experienced operators. 
that have learned probably a lot of bad skills over the years, uh, and they've learned what to do with that machine in spite of themselves, really. And now I'm able to get in there and teach them to work smarter, not harder, by teaching them things like detent kickout switches, what we do on that, how do we go ahead and set those versus having to pull back and forth the lever all the time. I can, I can push and hold a button for three seconds, and it's going to allow my bucket to go up to its top level and dump. So, I mean, it's, it's that kind of mentality like, hey, guys, I know you've been doing it for so long because you learned it from you know, from some older guy or your dad or grandpa or whatever, let me teach you the proper way in order to go ahead and get the most proficiency out of this machine as we can. Very good, very good. Uh, you know, at BuildWit, we talk a lot about uh, the people life cycle. And, you know, it's about attracting, you know, the next generation, the hiring, training, you know, and then retention through engagement. So as you think about, you know, that people life cycle, you know, I just start thinking about, you know, organizations that are utilizing, you know, cat simulators. I can only imagine, you know, that if they're using them, that it's helping them as an organization attract, hire, train and engage that workforce. Can you talk to me a little bit about some of the maybe case studies that are out there or companies that you know that are doing this really, really well uh, that, you know, if somebody's out there listening that's not using a simulator, how that could not only help them train, but really attract that next generation. Yeah, um, a few years back, actually, my colleague Kurt Meyer and I were actually at a conference in Virginia, and we heard this term that I, I like to, to pilfer and, and use it all the time nowadays, so i got to give my shout-out to the folks in Virginia. Uh, but right now, we're in the middle of a, uh, basically what's called a silver tsunami, uh, and that tagline, more or less, is a lot of the guys that are starting to get a little bit grayer up top are getting out of the workforce. And like you said, I mean, we don't have a lot of people backfilling these roles I will say that over the last probably two or three years, maybe it's because of the pandemic or what have you, a lot of these folks have realized maybe college isn't right for me. Maybe I want to go ahead and get out there and get into the world and actually start working a little bit. Um, you know, heavy equipment operations, uh, according to, to buildyourfuture.org, so byf.org, heavy equipment operators, there's 825,961 openings right now. Um, and that's huge. That's across the country. So my job is to get out there and help these folks actually get out there and get trained on this stuff. So. You know, when you talk about the benefits of the simulators, like, yeah, a lot of our private industry folks will not only bring their training in-house, but yeah, they're going out to job fairs. They're making these things mobile by taking them to a high school or to a career fair to say, hey, kids, look, it looks fun. It is fun. Hop in here. But at the same time, there's this is a serious training apparatus. And so we're getting that future you know, workforce really in that pipeline to say, you know what, maybe college isn't right for me. Maybe I don't want to go off to the military. Maybe I need to go ahead and start making some money. And, you know, and I'm getting kids... You know, like with C.W. Matthews and the program we started down there in Georgia, uh, we are effectively, I think it's almost 20 high schools and probably another, I don't know, handful, almost 10 probably community colleges throughout the state of Georgia. And we are literally pumping out operators like crazy and they're being hired. Um, C.W. Matthews is bringing in these kids and these kids are, you know, making, you know, anywhere between 40 to 50 to $60,000 a year pretty much starting out. Now, granted, there's all kinds of stipulations. you got to go through the hiring process and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm going to go ahead and get that kid to get his foot right in the door and to be able to say, hey, I've got a, you know, a Sim Scholars credential. I've got the CAT Simulators credential. You know, we're working with NCCER to go ahead and bring forth a true nationwide recognized uh, credential out there. It's allowing these kids to really have a step ahead of most of these other folks that are coming up you know, through other means you know, that are getting hired as a laborer and having to go through the training process and so on. A lot of these guys, which is great, but a lot of these kids are coming out and saying, hey, I've already got a lot of these skills, and these these construction companies out there, the CWs, Matthews of the world, the Quest Groups, the H&Ks, they need operators. We need operators across the country because we're getting, you know, infrastructure failings, you know, bridges and pipe, you know, pipelines and airports and roads and all this kind of stuff. 
we need people out there filling these roles and that's kind of my role is to get out there you know and help develop programs at the educational setting correctional facilities i mentioned earlier we do a lot of work with corrections across the country getting folks out there and understanding that the dirt world's not a dirty place they know it's kind of an ironic term but you know i'm getting you in an air conditioned cab that allows you to go out there and actually put in a hard day's work and make a really really good living uh and you know it's not just a, a job anymore as i always talk i mean it's a career and so we're helping helping fill those roles all the time that's that's fantastic i you know i agree with the stats that you've rattled off you know uh you know as they say uh 40 of the industry is going to retire by the year 2031 you know you just rattled off a, we need 800 positions or 800,000 positions right now i mean that's that's staggering i do agree also like the narrative is starting to shift uh, there is an alternative path. You know, there is this dirt world career opportunities are real. I, I you know, uh, the perception is changing to, you know, Hey, this is a noble career where you can make a difference in society, you know, provide the food, water, and shelter that people need. So really excited to see that start starting to happen. I just hope it happens faster. There's, uh, you know, uh, 24,000 schools across uh, the United States, uh, high schools that is, and, and 15 million high school students. So we've got a lot of work to do to reach them. Uh, speaking of, you know, if someone was interested, you know, in obtaining a simulator, like what's the process? Yeah, so call me. Um, I can walk you, most people through this process. You know, and basically, basically what happens is a lot of times, uh, either I will go out there and find a school because somebody in that, that area said, hey, you know, I want to switch over my job or I want to become a heavy equipment operator or someplace near me. And so I'll start looking around out there. And if I don't see anything, I might just go ahead and pick up a phone and start calling a school and say, hey, have you ever thought about this? And then we start talking about that need out there, that 825,000 you know, position openings to say, hey, we need to address this stuff. Um, a lot of the schools out there whether it be high schools, whether it be community colleges, vocational schools, whatever, are starting to see the need for a lot of the skilled trades, you know, whether it be carpenters or laborers or, you know, any of these guys, HVAC guys or whatever. Um, and so they're starting to get out there and actually going after, you know, those monies out there. There's all kinds of grant funding out there, whether it be state, whether it be federal, whether it be private foundational monies, whatever the case may be, uh, because that workforce development is such a a, a key word nowadays that everybody's trying to filter and figure out how to go ahead and get these people into the job for or the job market. Um, and there's so much money out there, and I help people all the time find funding, um, like I said, on the federal or even on the state side of things to really go after this stuff and develop these heavy equipment training programs, all in conjunction then with uh, the best case scenarios. If I get a construction company in that immediate area that is actually going to be able to go ahead and help offer you know career choices for these guys after they graduate or even to come in and you know, do a guest speaker role or do field trips or, you know, kind of walk the walk, talk the talk, so to speak. Uh, but those are, we help people all the time with this kind of stuff. So size wise, you know, how big of an area does someone even need for a simulator? And are there different forms of simulators, desktop versus the actual full simulators? And maybe talk through that just a little bit from a size standpoint in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, not. I don't need a lot of space, that's for sure. Even our full-size systems are only about five feet wide at the very front where the TVs are at, and they're about, you know, it depends on if you've got a rear monitor or not to train on basically the Ripper or the Scarifier, but, you know, at, at the most, we're about seven feet long. And so a five-by-seven and then maybe a couple feet on either side for egress and ingress, uh, those are on the full systems. And then, like you mentioned, we actually did introduce the SimLite system uh, back when the pandemic first occurred. A lot of our schools were shut down. Private industry was saying, hey, we still need to train. What do you have? So we came up with the idea of a SimLite system, which is basically still utilizing 
all of the Caterpillar, you know, subject matter experts, uh, the OEM equipment, to put it on a more smaller scaled down um, offering, basically, that can basically fit into two Pelican cases and be sent home. So I could I could send a compact track loader to your house, Jason. You could hook it up on your desk right there, and you could train. You could run through all your exercises, email me the reports. You'd send it back to me. I'd send it off to somebody else. And so it's it's pretty cool that we're able to offer that up nowadays and not just have that that huge, you know, that five by seven, but now it's something that can literally fit right here on your tabletop in front of you. Absolutely. Uh, talk to me a little bit about implementation, you know, across the board, not everybody has a, you know, a training person or somebody who's dedicated for high schools, maybe operating with thin resources. So, you know, they buy one of these things and then what, you know, like how, what does implementation look like? Do they need to have a dedicated resource? Do they need to put somebody in charge of the training program? Even if it's a general superintendent or a superintendent, you know, how, what, what are you seeing from a use case? What, how does this work best when implemented? Yeah, I mean, it's always best if we have an instructor that actually has been out there in the in the world doing this stuff, right? So somebody that, you know, an old dirt guy that actually can say, hey, this is how this is how this actually does correlate off. However, I will say, though, with the implementation of Sim Scholars, as well as just the the on screen, you know, instructional prompts, I've got a lot of schools that they consider this to be a piece of IT or Internet technology stuff. And it's a computer on steroids, basically. Right. So um our train the trainer service that we basically send out a guy, one of our guys to go ahead and do the full installation and then the training on the hardware, the software, the reporting tool, the, the curriculum, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we include that in there as well in that price. And so we'll send our guys out there. Uh, we've got a, a staff of like four or five guys basically that do nothing but go out and help customers develop these programs. And so, you know, you give me somebody that can actually operate a computer and I can actually train them up enough uh, to be able to go ahead and be a pretty good instructor when it comes to this. But at the end, like I said, at the end of the day, if I can get somebody in there that actually has got that experience, that's even better. But I don't necessarily need that person, though, either. Very good. So as I was doing my reading, I, I saw some information about VR. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about where you guys are with VR. Are people starting to utilize it? Are we at the early stages? Is it maturing? Like, what's the what? What are you uh, what are you thinking about when it comes to VR? Yeah, we integrated virtual reality into quite a few of our simulators over the last few years. Uh, VR allows for, you know, we talk, we kind of talk about like the beginner level training, like you mentioned. Then we have got more of an advanced uh, style, like a level two training. That VR really even steps it up to the next level because at that point, then we put you fully in the cab of that machine. So you've got 180 degrees instantaneous field of view. You could turn around and look over your left shoulder, your right shoulder. It really allows for these operators to truly feel like they're actually in that machine without actually having to climb up in that machine. And so it is still pretty early. Um, there's still some things that, you know, the, the, the VR folks are still trying to, you know, fix some of the kinks in the system and so on. But at the same time, it, it does allow for us to really get much more of a, a fully engaged, fully immersed type training at that point. Um, in addition to the VR side of things, I'm really excited more about almost the augmented reality side. Uh, and augmented reality is basically where you and I would just put on a pair of like you know glasses like you both have on that's got a little computer in there, and we could actually, you know, by just expanding our fingers like we do on our phones all the time, we could actually have like a D11 right in front of our faces. Uh, we could open up an engine compartment door and actually move hoses and lines out of the way to look around and see, you know, look at that yeah, that oil filter in there or whatever the case may be. I mean, technology is getting crazy out there to the point where you know, we can actually basically simulate a real actual machine and put it right inside that classroom that you can operate it day or night, you know, regardless of weather conditions, whatever the case may be, in a fully safe environment as well. And that's what, it, you know, ultimately that's our key uh, is to make sure that everybody goes home safely at night, right? Even on your side of the house. So 
I've got to be able to simulate that also. Uh, and that VR, man, that really has really stepped up that training a lot. Very good. Well, before we transition into talking a little bit about leadership and workforce development, is there anything about Sim4Motion or CAS simulators or um, the Scholar program that you want to talk about before we move on to the next subject? Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you're like, man, I wish we would have talked about this? I could talk about our company all day long, uh, but I won't <laughs> do that. But no, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really passionate about what we're doing over here on this side. I mean, from from the military stuff we're doing to, like I said, correctional folks to high school students. I mean, we're really changing the way that training is really brought forth and we're really addressing that shortage out there. Uh, we're pretty excited for the fact that over the last couple of years, my colleague Kurt and I probably developed over a couple hundred different programs across the country. Um, and we're just really hitting that number. I mean, that, million, that number was over a million, not, not, not that long ago. Uh, we've seen it drop down as low as 600,000, but now it's back up over 800,000. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done uh, and I think that, you know, with our with our friends over at Caterpillar and with folks like yourself at BuildWit, I think we're really, really hitting the nail on the head, so to speak, and getting out there and getting in front of people and making it, you know, making the world know that being an operator is not, a, like I said earlier, not a dirty thing. It's actually a cool job to have. Um, and you don't have to worry about having a couple hundred thousand dollars of student loans to pay back. You could be making a couple hundred thousand dollars in a few years, you know, without having to worry about all the other stuff. So we're just really passionate about what we do, really like what we do, uh, and are really, really you know, excited to partner with folks like you guys, uh, like with BuildWit and the Dirt World to actually bring forth all of these different opportunities for folks. Absolutely. That sounds great. I did think of one other question, gamification. Uh, you know, when I, th when I think about a simulator, it almost makes me think of like playing arcade games or, or, sure. or you know, games. Is there stats and scoring and leaderboards and things of that nature that come along with it? Absolutely. What, what would be a simulator if you didn't have some kind of a way to go ahead and rate how well you did versus me? So, yeah. So, I mean, we bring all kinds of different reports into it. We're, you know, tracking things like execution time, fuel burn, uh, productivity, safety, maintenance, all kinds of different stuff. And then actually, you know, reporting it in a way that is really, really visually aesthetic to, you know, visually appealing basically to the, uh, the customers because they want to see, you know, the bar graphs and the charts and all that kind of cool stuff. As well as we do, we did even implement uh, over this last phase of what we call Simu Campus, which is our record tracking system, that ability to actually kind of rank these people. And so, especially on the military side of things, us military guys, we love to try to beat the other, you know, the guys out. And so even at the high school setting, you know, if you can be number one and someone is gunning for you at all times, it's, it's pretty cool to watch these people try to outdo each other just to see who can become the better operator. Very good. All right. Talking a little bit about leadership, you know, we, we believe that, you know, leadership and workforce development, you know, we've got to unite the industry around those two topics in order to create, you know, a place that, that people want to be you know, you got to take care of your existing workforce and you've got to attract that next generation workforce. So, you know, as we talk about leadership, like what does leadership mean to you and, you know, what are some of, you know, the, the attributes uh, that you think of or characteristics that you think of for some of the greatest leaders out there, you know, hoping to stimulate our listeners to thinking about, hmm, where do I sit with that? How do I act? What are my communications, you know, et cetera. So talk to me a little bit about leadership and, and your thoughts and ideas around it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I look at good, effective leaders are the guys that are willing, to, guys and gals that are willing to get down there in the mix with you. Um, I really... I truly believe that a good leader is somebody who's going to go ahead and lead by example, who's done it, who will have no problem, even if they did it 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago, 
they have no problem jumping back down into the trenches, so to speak, and getting in, getting there, getting their hands dirty, you know, taking their suit and tie off and actually getting out there and operating the machines. Um, those are some of the best ones, you know, the guys that can actually walk the walk and talk the talk. I think I've said that three or four times now. Um, I really want people out there that can inspire folks, um, you know, and, and looking at inspirational type messages that people can sit out there and say, look, I started exactly where you are and look where I'm at now, you know, and, and that's, it's all about leading by example, really. And I think that some of the best customers we work with, you know, I'll give a, a shout out again to CW Matthews, my buddy, Jeremy Whitaker down there. Jeremy's an effective leader. Um, he inspires people to want to do better and to be better. Uh, and I think that's probably because his, his Christian background, but at the same time with his educational background as a teacher, um, he knows how to push buttons on people to get them wanting to do better. Um, and I think that's, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we all need to strive to be is to be a better, you know, form of who we were yesterday. And I think by, you know, having leaders out there and bosses out there that can actually say, you know, and, and bring these people up, uh, and pump them up, so to speak. I, I think that's that's the best type of leadership out there. It's somebody who's not going to hold anybody down and to really want to grow their people, so to speak. That's really good. You know, I know Jeremy's story because I've been following along for some time, but to a lot of our listeners, they may be going, who is this Jeremy Whitaker guy? I've heard C.W. Matthews. So you've got a little bit more context and background. Could you talk about, you, you know, you said he was a teacher. Mm-hmm. He was hired by C.W. Matthews. What has he done as a leader to implement the program at CW Matthews and what kind of success is he having? That case study for leadership could be really impactful to a lot of people that are listening. So if you could share a little bit more about what you know about him, that might be a really cool story. Yeah, Jeremy's probably going to kill me. He's a pretty humble dude. So he's going to be like, really, Sorry. Nate? Talked about me the whole time? No, I think what he's done down there, it's really cool. I mean, back with CW, um, I started working with a guy named Jeff there years ago. Uh, and I got, got a simulator down there, got the program going, and then really didn't hear anything else for a while then. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this tall, bald, glasses-wearing dude named Jeremy called and said, hey, I'm the new trainer down here, and we need to talk more about this stuff. Uh, and so we really leaned on him and the way that he was able to go ahead and kind of start teaching and training their operators. And then it was always kind of that what's next mentality of, you know, never never you know sitting there and being comfortable in the status quo and always pushing the boundaries to say, what more can we do? Uh, and then with, like I said, the implementation of SEM Scholars, Jeremy worked very closely hand in hand with one of my, my former colleagues, Anna, uh, to really bring forth that SEM Scholars curriculum to say, this is what industry needs, this is how Caterpillar is gonna do it, but this is re- the real world stuff of how we need to train operators to be better. Um, you know, and just watching him in action, you know, when we started working with the, uh, the Georgia Career Pathways and the Georgia General Assembly a couple years ago, uh, he and his leadership, as well as some of the other folks with the Georgia General Highway Contractor Association, David Mollering, those guys, uh, and really getting in forth, you know, in front of the uh, the leadership down there, legislature, to say, hey, you know, this is an opportunity for us to go ahead and really touch the masses, so to speak, and really get a lot of people uh, really good paying career choices uh, if we develop and implement these programs. And watching Jeremy kind of take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and run with this thing, uh, he even literally you and I were talking a few minutes ago about this before we got on here. Jeremy called me earlier today and wants to know when the next schools are being delivered uh, because we're, we're still rolling out simulators to these guys. He's the type of guy that is literally going to go down to these schools and help do the installation because he wants to get these things up and operational before our team then can come down and do the official training. And so Jeremy is just, like I said earlier, that he's that type of leader that is going to lead by example at all times and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Sometimes I wish he wouldn't get so dirty, uh, but he, he's, he's awesome. He's a good dude. 
So definitely providing some career pathways, some entry points. Uh, you know, as I recall through watching on social media, thinking about CW and Jeremy and some of the things that they're doing, I've seen them doing some rodeos. Mm-hmm. I know they're I know they're bringing schools to them, but they're also in schools. And then they're doing something too. They've got like this construction signing day. So as people, you know, graduate from their programs and are going from high school into a career, you know, they're 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 making a big deal of it. And you know, to me, you know, leaders recognize you know things that they want to see happen again and again and again. So you know, uh, really cool to see what they're doing down there. Have you ever been a part of any of those days that they're? I have not been, but I, man, I've seen, you know, the posts and I've talked to Jeremy about it and I've seen, you know, the impact that this kind of stuff has. I mean, it's just human nature to, to want to be recognized in some capacity. Right. And so, you know, we're, we've all seen like when the, uh, the big, you know, the quarterback signs on to some, you know, D one school and he's going off. It's really cool to see some of these kids signing off and becoming, you know, an operator, you know, or an intern at C.W. Matthews or, you know, any of our other multiple private industry partners across the country. It's just to be able to see that and to get that recognition that, you know, that employer and that owner of that company is coming to that kid, that 18, 19, 20 year old kid and saying, you mean something to us, you know, and we're excited to sign you. And therefore, we're going to go ahead and go and put this out for the world to say, hey, this kid's joining us. We're excited for this kid. This kid's going to have a career choice now. And it's just, it's really, really neat to see these kids' faces when they're signing. And, it's, it, you know, they make a big deal out of it. They've got, you know, the hard hats and the vests with their names on them. And all, it's just, it's a cool concept. And uh, it's a lot of fun to, to watch these things and just be a little bit a part of it, but not really, you know, there in the forefront. But watching these guys do it, it's just, I, it's, it's very exciting to watch these owners do this kind of stuff and really, you know, put forth that effort to say, hey, we treasure, you know, we treasure you guys as our, as our employees. Yeah, that's really interesting. I can only imagine that the environment that they're creating is just such a safe space for kids or for learners or for people of all walks of life, really, but to just ask questions, uh, to learn and grow, uh, to, to talk about, you know, lessons learned. And to me, that combination of experienced people sharing those lessons you know, being able to try things out, you know, to your point of, you know, kind of leading by example, getting, I know they're doing some sandbox, but they're also doing simulators. It's like, there's no one silver bullet. It feels like it's a combination of things that have to take place in order to truly inspire, train and connect this, this next group. Absolutely. I mean, and you got to keep it exciting, right? I mean, you know, one person might be really good on the Sim Scholars curriculum online and reading stuff and taking tests, whereas the next kid's really good at pulling his hands back and forth on the joysticks. But it's, it's like you said, it's bringing all that kind of stuff to the mix and realizing that, you know, some people learn a little bit different way. And so let's go ahead and figure out that way, you know, with, with remote control dozers and, you know, like you said, setting up that sandbox and actually showing, you know, what a work site's going to look like. You know, Hoopa, great example. They've got their big giant table that they'll actually get all their guys around the table and they'll actually kind of sandbox this thing out, right? So they'll look at it and say, hey, Johnny's over here with an Arctic dump truck and, and Sally's over here with an excavator and how are we going to get to each other and so on. It's really cool to see them, you know, for lack of a better term, playing with little toy games from when we were kids, but now it's they're massive machines. And so it's just neat to watch all the different levels of education and training all coming together as one. Very cool. Okay, I'm curious. Do you ever jump in a simulator? <laughs> Not as much as I, well, as you can tell now, I'm, I'm sitting here in my home office, but not as much as I used to. But boy, I used to operate those things. When I first got hired on back in 15, 
Uh, I did nothing but for 40 hours, I actually had to go on every single one of our simulators and actually pass every single exercise. And from a guy who's just a dumb army guy who then you know got involved in politics, I was not an operator. But now, since then, uh, I love operating skid steers and excavators all the time in my private life as well. Really cool. Do the trainers that are out there, you know, the companies that you're working with, do they get in the seat? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely, all the time. Yeah, and our actual our trainers, uh, two of our trainers actually came from, well, one came from private industry, one came from the military. Uh, and these guys were operators back then as well. So it's really kind of cool to be able to kind of show these guys that are out there in the world, the private industry folks, to say, I don't really necessarily believe this or whatever, but if I can get one of my trainers in that seat and actually show them what they're capable of doing, it's it's pretty remarkable watching Tyler and Troy really get out there. And then you got Donnie and Dexter who are just more on the, they understand the simulator much better. And so they're more on the IT side of things, if you will, and actually trying to you know take those four guys and put them in a, you know, put their experience, their knowledge together. It really helps those private industry guys realize that, yeah, this is a toy, uh, but it's a, it's a serious training apparatus. It's a computer on steroids. And man, is it revolutionizing how we're training people. Yeah, I think it's really cool, you know, to, to just think about, you know, uh, to, in today's day and age, we have access to so much information, you know, whether it's the internet or social media, um, you know, podcasts or books or, you know, simulators. I mean, there's so many different ways to learn and grow and to train in all these different environments. And even doing this podcast, you know, we're, we're talking from two different locations, you know, it's just, it's so amazing to see where technology is really, you know, evolving and, and, and taking us. So really excited about, you know, leveraging all of these things, right? So there, we talked about this earlier, or at least I said it, like there's no silver bullet. It's a combination of things. I guess as we start to come to a close, my question for you is, you know, for the dirt world, like, what are you most excited about for this next generation workforce, you know, as we start to think about what, what the future holds? Yeah, I think it's really just the fact that we're getting so many of these young people uh, jazzed up about a career in this world. Um, you know, we're getting so many kids that are 18, 19, 20 years old coming out of high school that already have a knowledge base. Um, these, these kids, these, you know, I call them kids because I'm, you know, old. Uh, but I mean, these kids nowadays, man, these guys are going to be the next you know, generation of the owner operators out there. These guys are going to be the ones that are fixing your roads and, and rebuilding your bridges and building your towers and all this kind of stuff. And it's just cool. You know, everybody back in the old days, at least everybody did things with their hands. And then we got away from that. And now we're starting to get back to that. And again, it's, you know, as a father of a 17 year old daughter, I keep telling her, hey, getting into the skilled trades ain't a bad deal. Uh, but actually getting out there and actually you just using your hands to see kind of the fruits of your labor, there's nothing better than when you're driving around or something and you could point over to a building and say, hey, I built that thing. Mm -hmm. And watching your kids go, first off, they're like, I don't care. But then in the back of their mind, they're probably thinking, that's kind of cool, Dad. So, I mean, it's just neat to see this next generation of the workforce coming up. I mean, I, I think America has always been able to go ahead and kind of conquer any kind of ill will that it's facing or any kind of hardship we're facing. And I think we're right there right now not to get political. Uh, but at the same time, it's cool to see the fact that, you know, even though we have this huge worker shortage coming up, young people of America are starting to address it. Um, you know, and it takes leaders out there to focus on that. Um, you know, the guys at CW, the guys at Hoopa, the guy, you know, all over the place to say, we need the next generation. Now, is it selfish? Kind of. But at the same time, it's also saying, hey, we need folks here to do this kind of stuff. And it's just so cool to see these young people get excited about doing stuff like this and getting out there and using their hands again and doing something that we all love. Well said, Nate. Man, thank you for joining us on the Dirt World podcast. Uh, we are grateful for Sim4Motion's support. <laughs>
at the Ariat Dirt World Summit uh, and all you're doing to make the dirt world a better place. Uh, you can find Nate and sim motion on LinkedIn, YouTube, and their website. It's simformotion.com. That's S-I-M-F-O-R-M-O-T-I-O-N.com. To learn more about BuildWit and for insights into leadership and workforce development, you can visit our website at buildwit.com. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, keep leading in the dirt world, building people, projects, and communities. Nate, thanks so much for being on the Dirt World Podcast. Thanks, Jason. Good work. Talk to you again soon.